Luke chapter 17 for a few moments. going to minister, but I'm going to ask you all to stand, just so you can stand for the reading of the word this morning, get that blood to circulating in that body one more time. Luke chapter 17, I'm going to begin reading with verse 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. So we want to minister this morning about the leper with a loud voice. Let's pray. Father, for a few moments as we break the bread of life, let something that I say inspire, encourage, reprove, rebuke, and strengthen those that are here under the sound of my voice. We love you and we thank you for giving your son to die on that cross and raising him from the dead. In the mighty name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated. The leper with a loud voice. The preceding verses in this particular portion of Luke's discussion deals with the parable of the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son, even with a rich man that had a poor man at his gate that he ignored. But Luke in his chronological discussion is moving us closer to Calvary. And at this point he's telling us that Jesus has gone to Jerusalem. It may not seem significant at all, a little sentence like that, but I want you to remember that this trip to Jerusalem was the last trip he'd make to Jerusalem. That when he left his hometown and left the region in which he was raised, he wouldn't be returning again until he is raised from the dead. All of us have made journeys and trips that we realize was the last trip or the last journey. You think about your last day in high school. You realize you wouldn't enter into these halls again as a student. You think about the night before you were married. You realize these are the final hours that I'd be single. You think about the last time that you held grandma, grandpa's hand. And you realize that was the final memory. Jesus was making his way to Jerusalem and he had to pass through two specific territories, of course, throughout the regions of Galilee, but also Samaria. Galilee was called the place of the Gentiles. People of different nationalities lived there, far more liberal, even progressive than Jerusalem were or was, because that's where the bulk of the Pharisees and Sadducees were located. But in Galilee, you had swine and pork. That's where the madman of Gadara was. 
And the Bible had prophesied that a light would spring up in Galilee, and that's exactly what happened. Mary gave birth to a baby by the name of Jesus, and he became a light to the Gentiles and to the Jews in Galilee. But Samaria was different. It was a place that was a land of mixture. I don't like to use the word half-breed, but these were individuals, some from the region of Iraq, others that were Jewish, coming together with the Assyrian people, and they produced a group of people whose ethnicity was different from the Jewish people, and that's why the Jewish people and the Samaritans didn't get along so well. The Samaritans only accepted the first five books of the Bible, whereas the Jewish people accepted Genesis all the way through Malachi. But yet Jesus wasn't afraid to go through Samaria, even though these people believed differently than him. We know that he ministered to a woman that had been married five times and was shacking up with someone else, but yet he stood at the well of Jacob and ministered to her leaving us an example that nobody's life is so broken, so despised, or so bad that we as Christians shouldn't reach out to minister to them. And the scripture says one particular unnamed village, Jesus was entering and there were ten lepers. What is leprosy? A dreadful disease. One of those diseases where it looks like your skin is withering away. Appendages are shriveling up. Been to a lot of leper colonies in my life. Seen a lot of babies that have had leprosy. A lot of adults that have had leprosy who didn't have an ear. Who had lost a finger or two. May have had elongated ears or without a nose because the leprosy had caused the portions of the body and the skin to just shrivel up. So that even when they lost an appendage or some kind of finger, there wasn't even any kind of a blood stain because it cauterized so slowly as it withered. But ten of these lepers were waiting for Jesus. Now the Old Testament teaches us that the one that has leprosy must dwell alone, by themselves, away from the community. And there were 10 of these individuals that were lepers. Think about that, cut off from their children, if they had children. Cut off from a spouse if they were married, but certainly cut off from parents and extended families. And all of them, though they were dwelling alone by themselves, they're all bound together by one shared commonality. Infirmity, hurt, pain. But they all had one objective, and that was to be able to see Jesus because they had heard stories that he could heal. We know from Luke chapter 4 that his fame spread abroad because of the mighty power and the anointing of God. And here these lepers have heard that he's coming through a certain village and they made sure they were there at the entrance so that they could gaze at him and be somewhere near him. A lot of people share hurts and pains there are a lot of people that share things that they have in common, whether good or bad. 
no matter where I go on this earth, if I run into people that are of a military background, it becomes a shared experience. There's a camaraderie that exists no matter where I am on the planet. You come into contact as a parent with other people that are parents and then you realize there's a shared experience raising those kids, dealing with teenagers. But there's also a shared experience in dealing with people that have had the pains that you have suffered. If you've been through divorce, and you've been around other people that have experienced the heartache, the trauma of it, a bad marriage, been around people that have also experienced that. You feel very often like you're a leper because whatever you're facing makes you feel like you're off all by yourself. You don't have anybody to talk to. You don't have anyone to share this with. But then when you come in contact with a person who knows exactly how you feel, it's like the experience of the ten lepers. Do they know my pain? Do they know my hurt? Are they even concerned? And notice that final sentence there in verse 12. They stood afar off. That was the Old Testament law. If you had leprosy, you had to stay away. If someone went into the home of someone that had leprosy, they were considered unclean. They had to then burn their clothes and bathe themselves in a certain way. It's all recorded in Luke, or excuse me, in Leviticus chapter 13 and Leviticus 14. They stood afar off. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I, I grew up in a family that was very affectionate. My mother was a hugger. My brothers were huggers. We all, if we're around each other, we're bothering each other, we're touching each other somehow or another. A very affectionate family. But I've seen these little, how do I want to describe it? These little tests, tests that they've done on infants where they, these newborns, they'll have five or six of them here, five or six of them here. And just to see what happens when they're lacking affection, they'll observe with documentation what happens with the babies over here that they, all they do is feed them but don't touch them. But then the babies that they feed and hold and embrace, they're totally different physically than the ones over here. Ones over here end up ill, infirmed, and cry a lot. I can't imagine what it would be like to be lepers and have to stand afar off and never get a handshake, a hug, a kiss on the cheek. That's what makes illness difficult. Isolation. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is Jesus never, ever was so afraid of anybody's pains or problems or difficulties that he stayed away. He always came to where they were, walked right into their problem. Aren't you glad he did that for you? You may have been brokenhearted sitting on a bar stool one day, but he came to you. You may have been behind closed doors praying, asking for help, but yet, yet God heard your prayer and he came near unto you. And there are people throughout this region today, I guarantee you, they're praying. They're saying, Lord, can't you do something for my mom and my dad? 
I'm tired of hearing them fight. Can't you do something for my father? I'm tired of going into the garage and seeing him passed out on the garage floor because of alcohol or drugs. They're praying prayers like that. But Jesus still comes into that situation when people very often feel unclean. And when it comes to church services, this is why so many people, they say, I would like to go to church or I would go to church. But if I could ever get my life together, I'd go. They want to stand afar off. But if you could ever get your life together on your own, you wouldn't need God. Yeah, we need God. Over and over again, we've seen this. And when Jesus got close enough, verse 13 says, they lifted up their voices. And notice, in lifting up their voices, they had to speak louder than the crowd because I can promise you Jesus traveled with an entourage. He never went anywhere alone. He had 12 apostles that were with him. The crowds typically followed him, and they were shouting his praises. So in order for them to lift up their voices, they had to be loud, folks. Now, some people don't like noise, and they don't like loud speech, and they don't like loud singing. Oh, man, I don't know what you're going to do. You get around some people that really have prayers and, and petitions that they want to bring to God because God is not nervous by noise. He's not afraid of noise. In fact, I think God rejoices when people talk to him. And there's nothing wrong with people that lift up their voice and talk to God. Notice their prayer, Jesus, have mercy on us. They didn't say, Lord, give us access to the marketplace. That wasn't the kind of mercy they wanted. Nor did they say, give us access to family. What did they say? Have mercy on us. What did they mean? Please heal us. That's what they meant. Please heal us. Healing is a mercy of God. Healing is a compassion of God manifested toward you and toward me. Have you ever had a broken heart? Have you ever had a wounded spirit? I've ministered to a lot of young people that have had broken hearts. Somebody falls in love, they think, with some young man or some young girl, and then she leaves or he leaves, and now you've got to help pick somebody up off the floor because they're in a fetal position. Everything's falling apart. He heals a broken hearts. He does. You find someone that's been abused. And here, here should have been a beautiful flower growing up in society. Because of the abuse, it becomes a twisted entity. But only God is able to reach down and grab that broken reed and restore it. How has God restored you? How has God healed you? How many times have you prayed and said to the Lord in so many words, have mercy on me? I prayed that. I've been ill many a times, plenty of times, needing God to touch me. But you need to know to whom to go. And if you're going to stand in the entrance of the gate and stand at the city looking for somebody to help you, you need to find the Savior. Don't look to mom and dad to be your God. Don't look to a preacher to be your God. Don't expect an inheritance to be your God. Look to the Lord to be your God. 
And when you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything can come and turn around in the right direction. But without him, you're going in the wrong direction. There's no doubt about it. It's a terrible thing to think you're moving down the right road and not even know that you're lost. Have no idea. Yeah. Jesus saw these men who lifted up their voices and cried out to him, if you want God's attention, lift up your voice. If you want anybody's attention, you cry out their name. Isn't that how kids get their parents' attention? You know, how many parents have said, you know, for a lot of years they thought their, their first name was Gimme. Because that's all the kids ever say, Gimme, Gimme this, Gimme that, Gimme this, Gimme that. And they try to get, get their mom and dad's attention. But a, a parent knows their child's cry above everybody else's cry. You can have a room filled with children, but they'll hear their child cry. They'll hear a lot of kids. But when they hear their child cry, they have a tendency to move quickly. Jesus heard them as they lifted up their voices. He saw them and he spoke to them. So he's interested in getting your attention just like you're trying to get his. And if they had to lift up their voice to get his attention, you better believe that he made sure they heard him when he said, Go, show yourself to the priest. That's the Old Testament law. That's Leviticus 14. It says in verse 2, If you think something's about to happen in you and you're going to be made whole, go show yourself to the priest. If you think there's a manifestation of the plague breaking out, go show yourself to the priest. And these individuals knew that if this is what Jesus said, they should walk in obedience to it. And the scripture says, as they turned and went, they were cleansed. Yeah. They obeyed God. The only way I know for people to be cleansed of anything is through obedience to God's word. Yeah. You know, sin is a terrible thing. And we can say sin is like a form of leprosy. Sin makes us feel unclean. Sin makes us not want to be around people that love God. We get around people that are Christian and sin very often makes us feel uncomfortable because light and darkness don't mix. And when we get in the presence of people that are fervently walking with God, passionately walking with God, not perfectly walking with God, but nevertheless passionately working, walking with God, we have a tendency to start thinking, okay, they think they're better than me. They're self-righteous. It's not that at all. You have this complex because of the presence of sin. And the sin consciousness causes you to stand afar off. And then when the family says, we're having a reunion, we want you to get together and come, you're invited to the meal. You start looking for excuses. Because you don't want to have to be there when they bow their heads in prayer. And you don't want to have to be in the presence of people who are going to be talking about God. And it's a whole lot easier to stand afar off than it is to go to God and let God bring about the cleansing that's necessary. How many men have been so filled with pride 
that they stayed away from church, they stayed away from family, they stayed away from God, and they convinced themselves that they were in the right. Many people have died that way, perished in pride, believing that they were correct without ever realizing that in one moment Jesus could have brought about the cleansing that they needed and all of their sins could have disappeared. I'll never forget the gentleman when we were preaching down in Plainville and we had that crusade in that sail barn. That man had been in Vietnam. And I don't know what kind of atrocities he had been involved with. I just knew there were a lot of bad memories through that whole message that night as I preached. He wept. He cried. I saw him over there burying his face in his hands as I was dealing with the prodigal son and calling people, return to the Lord, turn back and come to God. But yet in that little town of Kansas, I'm telling you, tears everywhere. They tell me the next morning at coffee, he was talking to people. He said he couldn't remember the last time he'd ever been in a church service where the presence and the power of God caused him to need forgiveness for all that he'd done in the past. I'm telling folks, he went years without being able to sleep good. But in a 45-minute message, God's able to carve out that root of bitterness and cleanse a person's conscience of all the wicked things they've done. However you've been hurt, however you've been crippled by somebody's words and somebody's statements, there is blood that can cleanse you. Yeah. Regardless of how ill-treated you've been by whoever, there's blood that can cleanse you. It said as they went, they realized they were cleansed. Can you imagine all 10 of them take off, start walking? All of them have leprosy. And then as they're on their way in the middle of the journey, then they look down and realize they got brand new skin. And I mean, you could see all of them just startled. I mean, people screaming and shouting and rejoicing at the top of their lungs. And I mean, they're skipping and happy. And nine of them take off, headed home. One of them turns back. Now, I don't want to be down on the nine that didn't return, and I'll tell you why. When they were healed, they knew they were healed because of Jesus. But it's very likely that they hurried back to their families, back to their respective villages, and maybe there they gave glory to God. But how many times has God answered a prayer for you and done something for you and you didn't immediately fall on your knees and start thanking God and crying out at the top of your voice? You know what you did after God kept your car from spinning around? You went home and said, I've got a great testimony to tell you. Tell you and you and your family rejoiced together. So I don't want you to think that the nine were ungracious. They were very pleased to be healed just like the one. But I love the fact that in verse 15, the one of the ten that was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice he glorified God. Wonder how irritating and annoying that was. Yeah. Think about it. Jesus is surrounded by crowds of people. There's a mob there. And this man comes back. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus. 
says, you're lovely. I worship you. And he falls down and buries his face right there between Jesus' feet. And some of us get irritated if somebody shout hallelujah too loud. We get irritated if the Christian music is too loud. Get upset if somebody saying praise the Lord too much, but you don't understand. Some people are praising God because of what God has just done for them. And who are you to try to throw a wet blanket on their fire that's burning inside their heart? Let them glorify God. If you don't want to turn back, let them turn back and glorify God. One, turn back. And with a loud voice, Glorified the king. Says he fell down on his face at his feet and gave him thanks. How long has it been since God did a miracle for you? And when God intervened supernaturally for you, did you still worship God and give him the thanks? So many people don't do that. But this man wasn't afraid to humble himself and prostrate himself in the presence of the Lord and to tell the Lord, thank you. He had this attitude of gratitude, which churches should have, which Christians should have. People pray all the time, say, Lord, we're getting on the road to do a long trip. And Lord, I pray that you get us there safely. And then you get there safely without any difficulty and then after you arrive, you go the next two or three days without ever thanking God for getting you there safely. But God is a God that answers prayer. I, I told you lovely folks last week to agree with me in prayer about a potential visit from my mother-in-law. <laughs> she said she was thinking about coming up here for three weeks. <laughs> and so I asked you folks to pray with me that the Lord would have an alternate, alternate plan, you know. And uh, seems like God intervened. When Tiff gave me the news, you said, what did you do? I gave glory to God. Now, I love my mother-in-law. We have a great relationship. I tease her all the time, call her all the time, bother her all the time. But, you know, you have to think about the things that you pray for. And if God answers your prayer, you have to go hurry up and give God the glory and the praise. You know that? If people have sickness in their body and they're asking God for healing, don't mock them. Don't discourage them. Encourage them. Yeah. Because on the other side of their obedience, there'll be another opportunity and another moment to praise God. Yeah. How many times have you been healed? How many times have you prayed in the midst of an infirmity and asked Jesus to intervene and help you if you couldn't breathe? To help you if you had pains in your bones and your skin? How many times have you had pains with shingles or something? Or somebody in your family had problems? I'm sure there are a lot of hospitals right now filled with people walking up and down the 
corridors in their prayer and saying, Father, would you please heal my mother and let her live long enough to see her granddaughter get married. And I don't doubt that there are a lot of parents that have given birth to newborns today and the doctors have said the problems in this baby's body are so physically challenging that I'm not sure the baby's going to live. But yet there's a mom and a dad holding a baby, walking around a room, praying and interceding, saying, oh God, see that's the entrance of their gate now. They're wanting to meet with Jesus. And although there are people who will say things like, well, you shouldn't bother the Lord with praying for healing. And it may be God's will for your child to be like that. They never seem to believe it's God's will for their child to be like that. Though they want it to be for your child. These ten lepers were wise. They knew to go to the Lord. They didn't go to the priest first. They didn't go to a Pharisee. They didn't find a rabbi. They came to the Lord first. That's where you should go. Other people discourage you. When a lady up in Little Ruhr Village in North Dakota 70, 75 years ago was ill, two goiters on her neck that stretched from her chin all the way down to her left breast and had indigestion problems and could hardly breathe, she heard about a couple of preachers that believed in Mark 16. They were in a nearby church and she told her boy who was 13 hitch the wagon and the horses I want you to take me to that little church so they could pray for me and that little 13 year old boy said he was so excited at the opportunity to be able to ride his mama drive his mama to that that meeting and the mama stepped out with a makeshift walker came out of that house stepped down off the step and after she got off the last step she said in her heart she heard the Lord say to her you're healed to her son's consternation she said you won't be able to drive me to the church now I believe God's spoken to me she went back into that house, laid down. She told her husband about what happened. He said, well, he wasn't a believer, didn't know anything about God. He just said, well, we'll just see what happens. She went to sleep that night, terrible night she suffered. But she had heard God say, you're healed. The next morning, son went in there to check on mom and said she was laying there and said there on that bed, said there was just a mass of moisture and water all over the place. Both of those super huge goiters had burst and there was nothing but flabby skin here. All of her indigestion problems disappeared and she was breathing normally. And for the next 24 years, she told her story and proclaimed the wonders of the power of Jesus' healing power. See? Husband didn't understand it, but he couldn't stop her from testifying. This lady praised the name of the Lord like the one did who turned back with a loud voice and Jesus asked the question, weren't there ten? Where are the other nine? And then Jesus said, there aren't, but this one who returned to give glory to God. He's letting us know that God should receive the glory whenever someone is healed. Never a man, always God. 
The Bible says we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. He said to this man, to this stranger, go your way, your faith has made you whole. You trusted my word when I said go show yourself to the priest because you believed my word and acted on what I stated. You were made whole. You are the one that helped cause this miracle. So folks, if we learn anything, we learn that we should trust God, take him at his word. I've told you many times in my life I've been healed. God's healed me of malaria in Jordan. God healed me of amoeba dysentery. I lived in Peru. At one time I was over in Indonesia preaching for the Foursquare Church. I got there and we landed. I think it was 110, 115 degrees. They picked me up from the airport. We went straight to a restaurant and it was a restaurant that had one of those window air conditioners. And the, where they sat me in the restaurant, I was right under that air conditioner. I was hot, I was sweaty, and I felt it the moment the cold began in my body. Felt it the moment it happened. The next three days had a terrible cold. Here we were preaching in a large church there, a few thousand folks. I had to miss one service because I couldn't even preach. But I lay in that bed, and I was nauseous and wasn't feeling well. But I lay in that bed praying and talking to God. And I came back, finally. Had good meetings, though, and I finally was made whole. But when I came back, I remember walking, just going around visiting folks in the church, checking on people, see how folks were while I was gone. Came over here to the house just north of us. Jenny was living there then, and, and, and Jenny was still really clear-headed at that time. She said, Pastor, how did your trip go? I said, it went well. She said, well, I want to tell you, I woke up on such and such night, and I prayed for you for a long time. I thought you were in trouble or something. Then I told her the story, how ill I was, sick, couldn't eat, couldn't keep any food down. But I thank God the Lord spoke to somebody to pray for me. You never know what is happening in someone else's home until you talk with them and find out they've been praying for you. Yeah. Miracles still happen, folks. God just needs somebody to be sensitive enough to yield to the Spirit of God when he lays some soul upon your heart. And you can love that soul through a prayer. You can love that soul through intercession. Amen? I want God to continue doing wonderful things for you and to continue doing wonderful things for me. And there's no place on this earth we can go to escape his presence. Nowhere. People have tried, but they haven't been able to do it. I've seen people try to run away from God, run away from conviction, but you can't do it. Once God puts his finger in your chest and says this is right and this is wrong, it doesn't matter where you go. You can stand up, sit down, spin around, lay in the bed, drive a car, drive a truck, ride a moped. You can ride in a side-by-side -side or walk down a sidewalk. No matter where you are, that finger is in your chest until you deal with what he said deal with. 
And it'll be hard to have a good night's sleep or a good conversation with anybody because you'll constantly be thinking about what God said. No doubt about it, folks. Let's stand. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, preacher, I listen to what you're saying today, and you know I feel like one of them lepers. I've got all kind of stuff going on in my life, and I really need an encounter with the king and a touch that comes from him. I'm telling you, that's what he's in the business of doing, folks. His arms are long enough to reach everybody in here. And he sees you and your pain. He sees me and my pain. There's nothing you're passing through that he cannot handle. But this man was healed, and he praised God after he was healed. Don't you think we can worship and praise God before he answers our prayer? Yeah. Then why don't we take a few moments and just worship the Lord and praise him because of how good he is. Let's just worship him. Father, we glorify you this morning and thank you. Over and over again, you have shown yourself to be mighty and strong and majestic. We love you today, God. We honor you this morning. We lift your name above all names, Lord. That name of Jesus is greater than every name mentioned on planet Earth, God. We lift holy hands without wrath and doubting, and we worship you, God. Your presence, oh God, produces the fullness of joy at your right hand, our pleasures forevermore, and we worship you, almighty God. You're lovely, God. You're beyond compare. We praise you, we glorify you, we thank you, God, for caring so much for us, Lord. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. Jesus, we honor you, Lord, we thank you. We thank you and we praise you and we praise you, God, because you're such a lovely, lovely Savior, God. We honor you, Father, today. Thank you for caring so much about us that you give your only begotten Son to die on that cross for our sins, O oh God. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, God. Thank you for being so good, Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you because you're lovely, God. So lovely, so lovely, God. We can praise you. Folks, it's a great day to be alive if you're alive. I'm telling you, there's no doubt about it. This earth is full of people that don't know God. But I praise the Lord every day that salvation came to our homes and came to your heart. If you don't know him, you need to know him because there's nobody as wonderful as him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added unto you. Amen? Amen, amen. Let's take some time in fellowship for a little while. Remember, we have a missionary visiting today. And we want to remind everybody, Bible says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Amen. Let's fellowship a little while. Praise